What is up, everybody? Welcome to this week's episode of the Dense Mixes Podcast. I'm your host, Brad, joined by my co-host, Micah. Hey. Terrence is a little under the weather today, so we wish him speedy recovery. If you, uh, if you are uh, members of uh, any one of the groups that, that we host, uh, do me a favor and tell Terrence to go to the doctor because he is a black man. And black men notoriously are afraid of hospitals for some reason. <laughs> so go to the doctor. This is true. So, but yeah, we, uh, I, I'm, I'm upset too, because I was waiting to be lavished with praise of how I saved Terrence, uh, this weekend with a, uh, with, <laughs> with a particular situation that he encountered. If you're in the, the gaming group, densepixels.com slash fans, you are probably at least aware of the situation but are not aware of my benevolence <laughs> and my ability to, to fix the problem that Terrence encountered. But I did it because I'm awesome. Yep, Terrence, this is why you are single-handedly keeping our race down. <laughs> <laughs> you just can't, you can't figure the shit out on your own. You got to run to the white man to get the job done. What the hell, man? So, I didn't know what we've been playing. Um, I haven't been playing anything new. I just, it's just been Octopath Traveler and Destiny. Um, I've finally gotten in, cracked into the Chapter 2 stories after doing some grinding to get my party levels up. So, I've started them. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm not looking forward to a lot of grinding. Like, I still have one more. I haven't had a chance to play a lot of games. So, I'm, I'm, uh, but I, I still have uh, Cyrus to get. But, um, I was watching TV with the wife and uh, I don't like watching TV. So, uh, I picked up Octopath and I kind of want to concentrate when it comes to like story stuff. So I, I just started grinding the characters that I have a feeling I'm not going to want to play. It's tough because like, if you wanted to, you could easily, and, and I've heard some people say the best way, or not the best way, the most efficient way to tackle the, um, the level bumping is just pick your four characters that you want to concentrate on and just basically have them in your party ready mm-hmm. to rock and roll and just and just run through, you know, their stories with those four and they, and they'll be leveled up very nicely where you need them to be, but then that makes it tough to bring up, you know, everybody else. So I'm I'm trying to do it evenly. It's yeah. a little bit more difficult to do that, but um but I'll I think I'll be happier in the long run. I've always been that type of guy to try and bring all of your characters up evenly, especially if it's a grind heavy game. Like I'm just going to bring everybody up to like 25 or 30 and um, start everybody's second quest. And then I I forget what Carrie said the next threshold is, but it's like four It's 35. I think 35. Let me tell you something, yo, I'm not going to want to play as these four characters. If I get like, Therion done and Primrose done and like I'm not going to want to play the apothecary story like I just want to be a good medicine man Carrie says it gets good in chapter 2 I hope so, so man we'll see yeah we'll see because I, I don't really I don't really care for that guy and how is and Micah how is the Mega Man X collection on Switch because the X games are believe it or not a series that I never really approached in when, when I was you know playing Mega Man games so Mega Man X, it can be argued that Mega Man X is the best Mega Man game. It's really good. 
and the way it, it's it's damn near a perfect Mega Man game. Um, I, I I can't sing the praises of X Mega Man X enough. So that's the game that I started with. I dabbled a little bit with X two because I hadn't played any other Mega Man X games, and from what I understand, like the latter half of the series is just a bunch of garbage. Um, Sounds a lot like so, regular Mega Man. Yeah. <laughs> well, until, until you until you get to nine, and then they then they find their way again. So, so I will uh, I'll report back on the second half of it later. But if you are a Mega Man X fan, like it's it's uh, you need this collection. Like it has a bunch of um, like little. It's like a museum, and you can look at all the art, and some of them have. Um, um, like animes that you can watch, like uh, like anime shorts, uh, and then they have this mode. Well, they have an easy mode. If you know, you 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 suck at games like me. They have an easy mode, um, and then they have this one mode where you it's you fight two bosses at once, and that's kind of cool. Like, <laughs> because the, the two bosses, like, they still fight the same way. They still use their same tactics. You just have to worry about two of them. And that's pretty cool, man. Like, it's, if you, uh, and, and those are, and it's like a, like a, like a gauntlet. <clears throat> so the best, so, and, you know, for me, the boss fights are the best part of the Mega Man games, you know, trying to figure out um, what everybody's weak to and all that. like. And now you get to fight to them at the same time to really test your skills. Like it's, it's really cool, man. Uh, and look, they're twenty bucks each. I would probably go with uh, the first one if you could only buy one. Um, my big problem with the Switch is the same problem I have with every Switch game: is that the buttons are too damn small and they're too close together. And for a game like that, you need precision jumping. Like you need precision dashing and precision jumping and a whole lot of shooting. And it just, it's very difficult to, to, you know, play on the go. Like it's fine with the, the pro controller, but it's a little, uh, it's a little weird with, uh, when you're playing the switch in handheld mode. So very cool. Like I said, yeah, I don't know why I never got into the X games for some reason. I, my, my train stopped with the original series proper and i never uh never tried the x series i've always heard they're good but for like i've I've dabbled in them but never really just got into it so maybe i'll check this out at some point yeah see yeah if, uh, get the first one it's 20 bucks and they're they're classic Mega Man games the latter half they get into like 3d and it's all polygon and it, it doesn't feel like Mega Man. well i mean like i said Mega Man 11 is coming out later this year where they're tra- kind of having trying to have it both ways so yeah, we'll see. We'll see what that looks like. So that's what we've been playing this week. Um, a couple of housekeeping notes before we move on. Go to youtube.com slash dense pixels. If you've not subscribed, click the red subscribe button, ring the bell. That way you never miss an episode of this podcast, which we upload in video format every week, plus whatever other shenanigans we get into. Uh, if you're not a premium member, go to densepixels.com slash premium. Sign up for TNP Studios premium membership today. It's just $5 a month or $50 for the entire year to get access to the entire catalog of the Look Forward Political Podcast, the No Time to Bleed Action Week Podcast, the Men with the Golden Tongues, uh, James Bond Podcast, myself and Micah, and the Aryan Grievances with Micah and Jay. Uh, Over, I think it's over 300 hours of content 
at this point, and uh, mm-hmm. and it's awesome. So again, densepixels.com slash premium. If you're uh, apprehensive, try the $5 for a month, listen as much as you can, and I guarantee you'll be back for the $50 yearly subscription. And then no matter what podcasting app you use, be it Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Pocket Cast, whatever, make sure you subscribe to this show and all the other TNP Studio shows, including the Nerdpocalypse and Black on Black Cinema. So, new releases at retail, uh, just a couple small Nintendo games coming out this week, uh, Code of Princess EX coming to the Nintendo Switch, Titan Quest coming to the Nintendo Switch, and WarioWare Gold coming to the 3DS. I'm not a big WarioWare fan, Mike, I don't know about you. No, I'm too old, I'm too grown, I'm too much of a curmudgeon for, um, like, those are the, those are the wacky, like, you know, attention deficit disorder games, right? Like. Like, like, let's, they're like mini, mini games, right? Uh, micro games, in fact. Like, micro, each game yeah, only lasts game. about, yeah, like, I'm not, I'm not about, I'm not about that. I've grown out of that adult swim 15 minute episode nonsense. Like, I, the, the in video game form, I'm, uh, I'm just, I need, I need an experience, man. I feel you. My wife really liked the GBA ones that came out. So apparently, I think this one is like a, um, I think they're doing a similar thing with the, Mario Party one that came out for 3DS where it's a compilation of the best micro games from the entire series, mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken. So if you're a big uh, WarioWare fan, definitely check that out on your on your 3DS. Uh, new month coming around the corner. So they have announced the Games with Gold uh, games that will be available for free on Xbox. And Micah, it is a humdinger of a month, I will tell you. Uh, for the first half of the month, or actually, I'm sorry, for the entire month of August, uh, Forza Horizon 2 is going to be available for free for Xbox One owners. And for the second half of the month into the first half of September, For Honor is going to be available for free right in time uh, for Season 7 of that game. So huh. that's a pretty good deal. Uh, both those games are, what I hear, very good. Um, Forza I've played. Uh, For Honor I have not, but that game has a very strong community, and, and Ubisoft has done a terrific job of supporting it. And uh, Ubisoft continues not to make a misstep. Uh, this is a very, I think this is a very deft move on their part to uh, make this available for free as the game continues along. So, Isn't there a sequel coming soon? Uh, they've not announced one. Because they, okay. like I said, they can, they've been supporting this one uh, with post-launch content. Not even like paid content, but just, uh, you know, giving people a lot of free content and then having optional add-ons that people can buy. Um, and that's been working. For that's that's, been working that's what we saw at E3. We saw the relatively optional content yes. for like the, they're adding another uh, era, I guess, of, of well, and fighters a, and a new class of fighters. Yeah. So yeah. Okay. But yeah, that's uh, that's what's coming for For Honor. Um, and like I said, if you can check it out for free and see if you like it uh, on 360, it's Dead Space Three available for the first two weeks of August, and then Epic Mickey Two. Available for the second two weeks of August. Of course, if you have an Xbox One, those games are both going to be backwards compatible as well. Um, other digital releases this week. 8 to Glory, the official game of the PBR, Micah, is coming to the PlayStation 4 and Xbox One. So if you've ever wanted to play a professional Paps? bull riding video game. Oh, I thought it was Paps Blue Ribbon. No. Like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> Hilarious because you are not even a drinker and you apparently know the PBR stands, stands for Paps. But uh, but no, this is the professional bull rider uh, league that they have, and yes, there is a league of professional bull riders, Micah. <laughs> and of course, in bull riding, the goal is to stay on the bull 
for eight seconds without getting bucked off. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, there's a game for that now. Oh, that's what this game can do. Buck off. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Chasm, the long-awaited, procedurally generated dungeon crawl game, uh, is coming to PS4. This has been in development for several years, uh, hotly anticipated, so we'll see how that uh, is received this week. Uh, Maximum Football 2018 is coming to PS4 and Xbox One, which is football, Micah, that you can use American football rules, Canadian football rules, or college football rules. And the graphics are out of this world. So if for some reason you're you're bummed out by the fucking corporate brings of EA with the Madden series, you can get maximum football 2018. Oof. Goodness great man, I really need uh I really need uh the winter to hurry up and get it. <laughs> Super Dungeon Tactics uh is releasing for Xbox One. This is a video game version of Super Dungeon Explorer, which is a tabletop game series. And then uh Pcross Season 2 it's coming out for the Switch, a game that I am ashamed to to say how many hours I spent playing the first one when it came out last year. <laughs> Pcross, of course, the the paint by numbers uh, puzzle game uh, that is really addictive and very fun. Um, but the second season that's coming, it'll probably cost like eight bucks, and I will get it. And again, spend way too many hours playing Pcross. And then a uh, new game date release announcements. They finally announced the release date for Guacamelee Two. It is coming on August the twenty first, so only three weeks away for Guacamelee Two. So that is it for new game announcements. Let me pass the baton to Micah, who will read off the headlines for this week. NBA Playgrounds Two picks up. 2K Sports as a publisher. So NBA Playgrounds was uh, the latest new version of NBA Jam. Um, It uh, had a bunch of uh, colorful-looking celebrity deathmatch-esque looking characters. Uh, It's an arcade basketball game. Uh, And I think it was, was it two-on-two or three-on-three? It's it's two-on-two. Two-on-two. Uh, and with these type of games, you know, you, you got uh, you got these guys jumping all above the rim and, you know, three shots in a row. He's on fire. Well, now it is going to be rebranded as NBA 2K Battlegrounds, uh, Battlegrounds, NBA 2K Playgrounds 2 when the game launches this fall. Um, the first NBA Playgrounds was published by Mad Dog, the kind folks that gave you. Shaq Fu, A Legend Reborn. Which is sitting on my, co- on my Switch, but I haven't played it yet. Ah. Gross. I did not buy uh, it. <laughs> it, was, it was free. It was free, so. Ah. Was it free because you bought NBA Playground? It was, because that game did not get online on the Switch for months after release. So as, <laughs> as a make good, they, uh, they, they gave you Shaq Fu for free. I don't know if that's a make good or punishing you further. <laughs> so we'll see. We'll see when I get a chance to play Shaq Fu. What do you, uh, are you excited? Uh, well, one, did you enjoy NBA Playgrounds? And two, uh, are you excited for the next one knowing this news? And three, um, do you think, uh, do you expect a, a massive changes to, to happen? Because this game was delayed uh, from its original release date. Um, so I, I would assume that means that when 2K decided to publish it, they came in and said, change this, 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 and that. 
I will. Uh, I'll answer them in reverse order. I don't expect massive changes uh, to this version of the game just because 2K is publishing it. They might add some things, and I think it'll get stronger post-launch support with 2K uh, backing it up. But I don't. I think the game is still going to be what it is. Um, 2K picked it up because they sold about a million copies of of the first NBA Playgrounds, and so I think they see a market there. And actually, mm-hmm. I think this is a really um, savvy move on 2K's part because you have to imagine that EA is at least thinking especially with the success of Playgrounds EA is at least thinking about reviving uh the NBA Jam brand and it would be foolish for them not to yes. right and so and so this doesn't cut it off at the pass but it definitely makes for a more crowded marketplace and might make EA think twice before uh before doing that because again with the marketing might and the muscle that NBA 2K will be able to provide it uh, is probably a good move. Um, how did I feel about the first one? It was a mixed bag. There were some ideas that were interesting. Um, it was very light on the content for sure. Um, as far as like what you could do in the game, because they had like a single player, like see like campaign basically. Um, and then they had online multiplayer and then you could play single matches. That was about it. Um, again, the gameplay was fine. It definitely got it, when it first launched, it was pretty rough. It got better with some of the additions they made and and just looking at the screenshot that they have here, I can see that they've refined it even further uh, to the point where they have the score on the screen at all times. That's very helpful. Um, The original version of the game did not have that. Like they, like the the original version of the game had a like scoreboard in the background on the court, but (laughs) it didn't actually have like an overlay on the screen. Well, you want like, you want realism in your NBA playgrounds. Again. Yeah, well, you know, let me tell you. <laughs> so, but uh, but the things that it did do well, there were a ton of current and former uh, NBA players. It didn't allow you to buy packs um, of cards separately. You had to earn them in game. Uh, that's probably changing with 2K behind it now, but we'll, we'll see about that. Um, but like I said, it, it was a good foundation. I was a little salty that they're coming out with the second one so soon. They just released the first one last spring. So the hmm. game hasn't even been out for a year. A lot of these refinements, you could argue, could have been updates that they could have made in the original NBA playgrounds. Hmm. Um, so like if you bought like I, I do feel a little a little slighted um that I bought the first game for full price, which is I think twenty bucks if I'm not mistaken, and it doesn't seem like it's, it, you know, outside of the initial big update, it doesn't seem like it's getting a lot of support. Um, instead, they're moving on to a second game. So I think this is a smart move. Um, we'll see. I, I'm sure the second will be even more successful because, again, they'll be able to market it inside of 2K19, mm-hmm. um, which you can absolutely bet that they will. I, would be, I wouldn't be shocked even to see, like, a combo pack that you might be able to purchase both games for, like, $70. Yeah. Um, in, in on the online store. So, like I said, it's a good, it's a smart move. Um, I'm sure the game will be better. I don't know if I'm going to buy it. Um, something about it, it just didn't. I, I expected it to be this generation's NBA Jam, and it wasn't quite. It wasn't quite. There's still a je ne sais quoi that NBA Jam possesses that this game couldn't tap into for some reason. Hmm. Um. Next up. The London Spitfire emerged as the champions of the inaugural season of the Overwatch League. And Micah, what what sit, what uh what area of the world is London in? London, England? No. 
It is not where, London, England. Where, where the hell is? Where the hell are they from? I, I think I'm pretty sure the London Spitfire are in London, Ontario. If I'm not mistaken, really? Pretty sure, huh? Well, all right then. Um, now, now I'm no, checking myself I'm, because I, I want to make sure I'm not an asshole. So, yeah, I'm looking at it. London Spitfire, location London, United Kingdom. Oh, that's weird. Okay, I thought it was London, Ontario. Hmm. There is a London, Ontario, by the way. I'm not insane. Ah, I believe you. Yeah, but uh, these folks are the professional British over professional. British Overwatch esports team. Uh, they defeated. <laughs> they defeated the Philadelphia Fusion. Uh, you will remember the Philadelphia Fusion from a story that we did a while ago with their uh, shirts. Were they the Were they the Fu shirts? Oh the yeah, FU they people? were. I think so. Yeah, yeah. These uh, the London Spitfire defeated the Crass. Uh, Philadelphia Fusion uh, at the sold-out Barclays Center in Brooklyn. They sold out the Barclays Center for the Overwatch League. <laughs> well, I mean, the Overwatch League finals. Right. I right. mean, <laughs> wow. Um, I said, uh, they pretty much mopped the floor with the Philadelphia Fusion. Um. They uh, this story says that the Spitfire again steamrolled the Fusion, finishing their second set in the Overwatch League finals with a score of three to nothing. While fan favorite Fusion players, um, I'm not even going to try and butcher these names, put off spectacular plays (laughs) for their six man squad. I'm I'm reading ahead, there is some just fantastic fucking shade being thrown at the fucking Philadelphia Fusion here. What uh, what are they uh, what are they saying? So this this is a quote from uh from from Sungtae Choi, uh, whose handle is uh, Dosen, and this is a quote. I didn't think it would be this easy. Next year, I hope we play against a stronger team. Yo, <laughs> no matter where you are, no matter where they're located, Asian people don't give a fuck about they have no bedside manner guys like they just uh, yeah i didn't they are they're blunt and frank and 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 i respect it and and apparently the barclay center was was pulling hard for the philadelphia fusion team because of course they were the they were the local team filled with mostly asian players fighting against (laughs) the international team filled with mostly asian players (laughs) go america Oh shit, that is amazing. Um this is a big deal for for esports, I think. Uh this was I believe if I recall correctly, uh this was broadcast on ABC. Yeah, I think so. I remember watching some of it and I didn't know it was um I didn't know it was the finals. I was just like, "Oh wow, like people are playing Overwatch on TV." It was either ABC or ESPN, one of the two. Either way, pretty good. Yeah, yeah, pretty damn good, man. So um, the winners uh, won a one million dollar grand prize, as well as the uh, the Reinhardt statue, which is the trophy of the Overwatch League. There you go. Um, the <laughs> the <laughs> the grand finals had a musical act. <laughs> DJ Khaled. <laughs> Um, when the, the story says, 
<laughs> this is like, look, 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 before you, before they, you get into this, I <laughs> I have to give applause to Michael McWhorter of Polygon for just fantastic article writing here. When the Grand Finals headlighting musical act DJ Khaled took the stage on Saturday afternoon, fans seemed far less impressed. Khaled tried to pump up the crowd, shouting his own name and requesting that hands be... <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. I have to read the sentence Verbatim. to give you the full effect. Khaled tried to pump up the crowd, shouting his own name and requesting that hands be in the air numerous times, which the crowd occasionally obliged. <laughs> but when Khaled demanded the arena sing along to Migos or Drake, the crowd was awkwardly silent, seemingly uninterested in taking part in the DJ's call and response requests. They, they had paid to see high-level Overwatch, not listen to cuts of, 90, of 90s and early aughts hip-hop. <laughs> like I said, I, I love seeing somebody taking pleasure in their work. That's, a, that's, a, that's an all-time great paragraph right there. Yeah, it is, man. <laughs> Goodness gracious. Oh, my Lord. <laughs> oh. So congratulations to the Spitfire. Um, so what do you think? Successful uh, first season amid all of the uh, it, it's it's a mixed bag, right? Because as as much as there is a lot of uh, attention around the Overwatch League's first year, uh, most of the lasting stories around it were that of controversy. Yeah, yeah, like like uh, the what was it? The lack of women or uh, treating women like like they're not. Good lack of women, homophobic tweets. Oh yeah, um, I forgot about yeah, that. Lots of, lots of stuff like that. So yep, because men are stupid. But, um, but apparently, Blizzard is taking the uh, is uh, basically offering up the first expansion slot in the Overwatch League. So it's only wow. getting bigger. Uh, it's pretty amazing for esports, man. Um, and part of me is kind of glad that it's with a game like Overwatch and not Call of Duty. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Do you think they would air? Do you think they would air Call of Duty leagues like that? Not over, on, over the broadcast airwaves? Not on broadcast airwaves. They couldn't. Um, like, because I think that would violate standards and practices yeah. to do that. Um, cable certainly could if they wanted to. They'd probably keep it at a super late time slot, if yeah. I had to imagine. Um, I don't know if the appeal, because the, the, one of the other benefits of Overwatch is that it's four on four. So it's relatively easy to follow. Um, Mm -hmm. whereas Call of Duty is six on six. It's a little bit more frantic. And also because Overwatch is more objective driven in its gameplay. Again, it's, it's a little bit easier to follow and the action can be more centralized during the game. So it's a little bit, you're, you're not, it's not like, like, look, I, I've watched Call of Duty broadcast before, like for like professional level, um, you know, play and it's just cutting camera feeds, cutting camera feeds, like over, like, you know, ever like you stay on one player for like 30 seconds, then you're cutting somewhere else. And that other person's on a complete other side of the map and doing something completely different. But at the yeah. same time, they're all just wandering around because it's just team deathmatch. Yeah. So it's not, it's, it's, there's no cohesiveness to the action. Overwatch lends itself to cohesion just because again, it's, it's capture this point, escort the payload. You know, it's a little bit easier to follow. Even for lay people, it's a little bit easier to follow. 
Yeah. Um, I'll be happy when uh, fighting games are. I mean, they're fighting games are broadcast on TBS and, and ESPN. I mean, Evo Grand Final for Street Fighter was on ESPN last year. Yeah, I'm gonna need them to come to the East Coast. <laughs> I'm tired. I mean, that's fair. I mean, you heard like you you listen to last week's podcast, yeah. right? Yeah, uh, there ain't no ain't no damn start way. By 11 p.m. Get the fuck out of here. Right, and that's and that and that's just a tentative time. They they're like concerts when it comes to those start times. Like they they come out whenever. So I won't be watching that. Or they need to they need to um they need to start it on Thursday and end it on Saturday because this is ridiculous. Um, next up the metal gear that everyone forgot about metal gear solid five, uh, is getting an update and the, that update will let you play as quiet. The scantily clad stripper sniper. Uh, that doesn't speak. Uh, Konami released an update for Metal Gear Solid 5 The Phantom Paint that adds new features to the game's online competitive multiplayer mode, uh, FOB uh, missions, forward operating bases. It doesn't stand for fresh off the boat, Micah. Um, <laughs> including the option to let you play as Quiet the Sniper. Um Quiet has uh, uh, some unique abilities. Um, she is faster than most of the other characters. Uh, remaining still at, for a short amount of time will cause her to use her active camouflage. Um, and she, since she is a sniper, she is very good with the sniper rifle, uh, preventing, you know, un- unnecessary sway when aiming down the scope um i bought this game and i maybe put 15 minutes into it and i have never picked it back up wow because terrence really enjoyed it that's why i bought it because he said he enjoyed it and i just was not feeling this game at all i mean i could do one better i'd never bought metal gear solid 5 i did get it for free when it went free from playstation plus Mm. but uh, i didn't i never purchased the game and i haven't even played it I don't know what it was that turned me off about that about the game. I think it, I think it was a combination of I was skeptical about the changes to the to the game structure. Um, I was pissed off about Kiefer Sutherland, and then at, when the whole Kojima drama went down shortly before the game's release, it was it was kind of a turnoff. Yeah, what yeah it? it it couldn't have come out at a worse time. Those three things combined just was. I mean, I would have gotten over the Kiefer Sutherland thing, but I think the the Kojima drama uh, that kind of killed it for me. And I'm just like, I don't, I don't, I don't care anymore. You know, I didn't see, I didn't see what I saw in the other games, uh, characters, mm-hmm. like like real personality from the game. It didn't. It seemed to lack it. Right, like well, and, had, and from people that I've talked to that have played it, that is one of the things that is kind of missing from the game. The story, the story, and, and again, I'm speaking secondhand, and anyone on the listening can feel free to correct me in the fan group. The story is kind of just interdispersed, like kind of morseled out throughout the game. And if you if you attempt to tackle like all the different side missions and stuff like that, then it's a very disjointed and broken up experience. Yeah, that that. 
that does not sound good at all. Like if there was one thing that those games did, it's they they told a story. Good God, they told a story. Like the end of Metal Gear Solid 4, I showed it to my buddy uh, and it was like at the start of fighting like one of the final beasts and it was an hour and a half of just like ending. And so, yeah, it told a story, but it, it had character and it had personality. You got Snake in this game. You got Snake, who is not voiced by the voice of Snake, right? And as such, he doesn't even speak that much. Uh, the only other character that they prominently show is a mute whose claim to fame is that she looks like a, like a streetwalker uh, holding a gun. So it's, it's fulfilling somebody's fantasy. And uh, who was the antagonist? I, was it was it Ocelot? No. So, well, I mean, the the advertised antagonist was that like burned face dude that they showed during the Ground Zeroes. Yeah. But I uh, yeah I I just this game this game might as well not exist for me. And, uh, good on them for you know well, supporting it. And, before, funny you say that because apparently like like this announcement was actually met with like derision almost like that that's where konami is right now where like people who are fans of the game like they're like here's a new character for free a year later and people's response is like what the fuck are you doing konami <laughs> like what the fuck are you doing so yeah fuck off konami <laughs> it's too little too late man uh next up loot boxes are going to be removed from forza motorsport 7 and paid tokens won't be allowed in Horizon 4. Developer Turn 10 has announced that it will be removing prize crates from Forza 7 uh, this coming winter. Uh, Alan Hartman explained that the process of untangling prize crates from the game's many systems was very complex. Well, I mean, if they they have the game's progress economy wrapped up within them yeah i can understand why. yeah but at the same time i get that but at the same time like it sounds like oh look at all this hard work we're doing to appease you something that you didn't want in the first place but now we're correcting it look how hard we are at correcting our our mistake Uh, i don't know I, i just uh maybe it's just me getting old um, but prize crates were very unpopular in the Forza community, which may be why they were, which may be why they were never put on sale for real money in the game's marketplace, despite apparently being designed for that purpose. The prize crates seemed uh, overdeveloped and intrusive to many. Um, uh, this uh, person who wrote on this website said. Uh, uh, it's hard to tell if the implementation is Machiavellian or inept or both. <laughs> God damn. I mean, I, I remember when the game released, uh, there was a huge backlash against this because this is the first time that they had had a system like this in one of the Forza games. And talk, talk, talk about not being able to read the temperature of the room. Very wrong time uh, for for all this. And, and because it's Forza and because it's not as wide ranging of a game as a star Wars battlefront or an NBA 2k. They didn't take a, a very public pillaring. Um, but I think their fans definitely gave it to them pretty badly, which, which led to them 
uh, reversing course here. Yeah. So, I mean, good. <laughs> the good yeah. Good. Th- it's good that you learned uh, turn 10. But um, yeah. Um, do you do you see this as a as a reckoning like every there there are fads for lack of a better term in gaming um one fad was all the plastic instruments right like they hit hard they they burned hot right mm-hmm. um another fad was virtual reality sorry it, it it's a fad it's just slowly dying um do you think that this is the turning point that we're on the tail end of this you know, beating you over the head with microtransactions. Well, I don't think they're done beating you over the head with microtransactions. Let's be very clear about that. Games are always going to charge extra money for stuff with that you can get additionally in the game. That's ne- that's never going to stop. And it's while people bemoan it, mm-hmm. it's kind of necessary in this. It day is nowadays, yes, because you're like gaming budgets like like development budgets are for especially for like triple a games are so vast but yet the games cost the same as they did 10 years ago like yeah. inflation has devalued money over that 10 years but it still costs the same if you want to keep that price you need to have post launch content that's optional to purchase so that's never going away now the loot box side of things I think is going away. And I think it's a combination of two things. Obviously, the Star Wars Battlefront backlash and and NBA as well and and Forts and and a few other games that, you know, that that dominated the news cycle for four months over the course of last winter into the spring is one half of it. And I think the other half of it, and the reason why companies are backing away now from loot boxes, is because of Fortnite. Fortnite has proved that if you have a compelling game and you get people things to want to spend money on, they will buy them. Because Fortnite so far, a couple, you know, a week or two ago, passed the $1 billion in revenue mark after essentially a year. Like, obviously, it's a little more than a year because the Save the World mode had been available, but Fortnite Battle Royale is a year old. They've already made a billion dollars. Now, that ain't GTA money, obviously, but it's, it's a lot of fucking money. And yeah. there's no loot boxes in Fortnite. There is skins that you can buy where they say, hey, here are skins that you may purchase. You'll, you know what the skin is that you're buying. It doesn't help you in any way, shape, or form in the game. It's completely optional. It's purely cosmetic, but here's what you're buying, and you need to spend V-Bucks, and you can either buy V-Bucks with real money, or you can earn it through in-game play. But regardless, here are the skins. You know what you're getting. There's no loot boxes. And then, of course, the battle pass where it's like, hey, here's some exclusive loot that you can earn over this three-month period. All you have to do is pay $10 to have access to it. And here's the challenges that you have to complete to earn it. And here's some cool stuff that you can get for your 10 bucks. Some people don't like that. Some people are fine with it. For Fortnite, people are mostly fine with it because the game is free anyway. So, like, again, you can enjoy Fortnite to your heart's content without paying a dime. Or you can, if you want to buy the stuff, you can buy it. It's there. But those two factors combined, I think, have kind of started the road towards the death of the loot box as we know it. Now, there's some games that'll still keep them. Uh, FIFA's not getting rid of, you know, card packs and Ultimate Team anytime soon because that kind of makes the car- the game's economy work, right? So mm-hmm. those aren't going away. Um, I'm sure 2K is still going to be, you know, letting you upgrade your character with VC, 
you know, next year. They might make you a little generous to, they might be a little more generous with how they hand it out through gameplay, but I mean, the option to buy it will still be there. GTA Shark Cash is still not going anywhere. But loot boxes, I think, by and large, are dwindling away. Um, and I think you're going to see a much more focused on, you know, direct sale consumables. Kind of, it's, it's funny because it's kind of come back around full circle, right? Like we started with direct sale microtransactions. You know, we started with horse armor. And, and, yeah. and, you know, we, and, we, and we and we had the natural evolution to the slot machine, and now it's coming back around to the horse armor mechanic again. So, but I think that so, I, that took a little longer than I thought. But yeah, that's uh, that's what I think. Well said. Um, I agree with you. By the way, I'm just uh, trying to generate uh, interesting conversation because. I I think it's I, I I don't know man I think it's interesting like people people complain about microtransactions on the whole but you know you somebody's got to pay for those servers that you're playing those games on not only that but I mean it's it's it, it really is no different now than than movies are so like if a movie comes out and it has a 100 million dollar budget and it makes 120 million dollars. Well, actually, let's go higher than that. Let's let's say it's 100 million dollar budget. Let's say that they spend another 50 million on advertising, and the movie makes 200 million dollars. It's it made a profit, but that movie would be considered a failure, and you probably wouldn't yeah. see additional movies down the road because it's it wasn't worth spending 150 million just to make 50 million dollars in profit for a movie studio. Games are the same way. If a game makes its just makes its money back or makes a small profit. That's not successful anymore. Like you need, you need to make a lot of money. Quite frankly, I don't know if it's the same way in the games industry, but in the movie industry, it is much, much worse to break even than it is to bomb. Right, because at least with bombing, you can recoup, you can recoup some money back through like insurance and stuff like that. Right, right. So I have to imagine that the game industry might be in a similar boat, but uh, I don't know. Uh, last up in headlines. Uh, sorry, this is taking so long. I'm not used to this. Um, yeah, No Man's Sky is back. Um, the number one game on Steam. It's the number one game on Steam. Uh, uh, be careful, everybody. This this time especially, featuring positive reviews. Uh, yeah, yeah. Be careful, uh, especially if you own a PlayStation 4 Pro, because playing No Man's Sky on your PlayStation 4 Pro <laughs> will break your system. Sorry, we've seen it happen to somebody. <laughs> therefore, it will happen to... We've seen it happen to one person. Therefore, uh, it will happen to everyone. So Terrence uh, has been enjoying the hell out of this game. Yes, he has. Well, well, was, was enjoying the hell out of this game. Momentarily. <laughs> um, look, man, th- this, this to me is the culmination in the story that we've been telling for the past two years. The The... The redemption story. Everyone loves a great redemption story, Micah. <laughs> and we just saw the 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 culmination of one uh, with this latest No Man's Sky update, where, where finally Sean Murray felt it proper to emerge his head out of his fallout shelter that he was <laughs> hiding in for the past two years and actually give interviews and talk about the game again because I, I guess he feels like he's finally delivered on the promises that he uh, that he set out to to deliver on when this game first released. Uh, look, uh, I'm still not going to buy it, but, uh, if you are having a good time with it, uh, I am happy for you. Uh, I really am. Um, 
glad this guy could could finally 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 make the game that he wanted to make it's like a it's like a a successful kickstarter i guess it's it's uh it's, it's and, finally... and look, they they have they have turned but for the most part they have turned public opinion yeah and that's the thing man like everybody wanted to love this game they wanted to every literally everybody wanted to love this game it's like it was like that tyra banks thing when when you know she was yelling at a girl on her on her reality tv show we were rooting for you like everyone was rooting for this game so uh i'm glad that uh everyone is happy walking around doing you know whatever um you know, raising cattle or growing crops or whatever you do in No Man's Sky. I, I have no idea. Um, what do you do? Have you, are you, have you picked it up? Are you going to uh, pick it up? Especially now that well, I, it's I, kind of... I never stopped know. owning it. Like, I still own the game. You know what I mean. Yeah, uh, I'm not going to play it, play it again. Um, I downloaded the update. I haven't gotten back in to check it out yet because, again, I've been too fucking busy with, with goddamn Destiny and, and Octopath Traveler. Destiny is ruling my life right now, man. So I'm in, it's not even funny. That's okay. <laughs> um, I will. I will jump back in eventually. Um, I'm. I'm. It's. It's. I haven't played it much since the game first came out. When the game first came out, I, I did sink like twenty five, thirty hours into it, and yeah. I. I played it a little bit. Um, when the big update came out last year, it's weird though, man. Like it's. It's again. You wouldn't think that a game that doesn't really have a central plot and and stuff like that would give you that sensation of when you hop back into the game after so long and you, you're kind of you get the Gandalf. You know, like this seems familiar to me, but I don't, I don't know this place anymore. Yeah. Like, it, like it, it took me a little bit to get my bearings back, um, but I didn't get to play it too much. Um, I will jump back in. I'm curious to see how the game is now. Uh, the improvements all seem fairly solid, and I'm looking forward to seeing if there's actually a narrative that's worth uh, checking out. But uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm happy for, for the uh, developers of this game who took. Some level of deserved shit, but to a degree that was little, little much when the game came out. Yeah, like I, you know, <laughs> if if I'm being fair, um, yeah, like they they received a lot of it, um, because like I said, everybody wanted to, everybody wanted to love it, and everybody believed the hype, and. Uh, it, it the, what I don't understand is that the hype, why the hype got so big, right? Like I, that's that's my thing is I don't blame the 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 guys at 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 uh, uh, Hello Games or whatever the hell this is. Um, I just don't understand how you know how they got everyone excited for this game. I mean, he's, I mean, they, they, like, they were like, Sean Murray was on like late night talk shows. Yeah. I mean, it, it, there was a, there was a, uh, there was a lot of buzz around it between how Sony promoted it and just the, and, and they did the, the thing that you do when you, uh, when you show stuff off like this and less is more, they didn't show a lot. That's the thing is they kept, they, they kept it tantalizing. They kept you on the hook by not giving you too much. They left you wanting more all the time. Yeah, and it turns little out did that we they, all know they didn't show a lot because it wasn't a lot. Right, to show. It, turns, it turns out they actually <laughs> did show you a lot. You just, it just, and, and this is another game that because they didn't do a good job, and we've talked about this before, so I'm not going to dive too far into it, but because they didn't do a good job of managing people's expectations, they allowed them to balloon into something that couldn't possibly be 
fulfilled. Yeah. So, but again, I, I, I think it's a great story. Um, I'm very happy, especially for Sean Murray, who again, basically went dark for two years, essentially. Yeah. That's how fucking <laughs> shitty his life was when, when this game came out and, and, uh, it wasn't what people imagined it to be. So, so very cool and nice that he can, you know, go back to, you know, just living again. Yeah. So, uh, before we move on to top stories, densepixels.com slash Amazon is our Amazon affiliate link. Make sure you use that whenever you buy anything on Amazon, big or small, like No Man's Sky, for example. If you miss it the first time and you want to see what all the buzz is about, do it at densepixels.com slash Amazon. You'll pay the same low price. We get a small percentage of the sale, which helps support your favorite video game podcasts. So, top stories. I, it's funny because I think I was expecting to get a lot of conversation out of the headline stories. I think yeah. we can actually kind of move through the top stories pretty quickly for the most part. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Quantic Dream, we talked a few months ago. They were going to court uh, against a number of former employees who claimed an environment of of toxic workplace culture and harassment at the at the French studio. Uh, two of these cases were dismissed, but they have been found uh, guilty in one of them. Uh, they lost uh, one of the court cases against a former employee. Uh, that did the court did agree that the studio had a you know toxic working environment, um, inappropriate behavior, overworking folks, uh, a culture that involves sexist and racist jokes and things like that. Uh, David Cage, of course, says he was shocked by these allocations. They still have lawsuits pending against the publications who published the original stories. Um, but yes, uh, so apparently, and so this is now this is French law, which is a little bit different in this specific instance than American law. So in the United States, if you voluntarily leave a job, doesn't matter what the circumstances, if you vol- if you quit, if you don't get fired, if you quit, you can't come back and like sue the employer for, you know, severance or stuff like that because you left voluntarily. Now, if they fire you or lay you off, it's a little bit different. You can get severance possibly or unemployment, things like that. In France, Apparently, if you leave, if you voluntarily leave a job, but you left because you considered yourself victimized at that job and you bring them to court and, and you win, then you actually can reverse that into an unfair dismissal, which means that you get the rights that are accorded with, with being unfairly fired, essentially. <laughs> now, the risk of doing this is when you quit, you're forfeiting you're you're forfeiting the ability to do this, and if you lose, you're screwed. Right. You're, you're done. But but if you win the case, then you will. Now, Quantic Dream is appealing this ruling. Um, but what do you think about this uh, this news? Um, I uh, I so there's a link. Uh, it's not safe for work uh, that you can click on in this story that we'll have in the show notes. Um, this is uncalled for. The uh, the images that they photoshopped onto uh, like this is this is uncalled for. This is this is your job, guys. This is work. Like I'm all about having fun at work, but this is just a little too much, yo. Um, in terms of uh, Quantum Dream, look, I I I, I like these games um, as 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 bad as they can be, but. I mean, I don't feel bad for him. Like if, if, uh, I don't know. And look, maybe it's just a culture thing, right? Maybe, maybe that's how they do it over there in in France. Um, but uh, you know, they are a little more loosey goosey, but, um, nah, man, 
I, I don't. I, okay. Right. I know that was very incoherent, but well, uh, I, I, I know when the, when the story first released, we. I don't think we end up leaning one way or the other. I think we uh Yeah, like it's it's hard to it's hard for me to to lean one way or the other for the big corporation or the victims, you know. I I just because at the same time like well, I mean it is just kind of jokes, but well, and again, too, the the original story that released, you know, that that is linked within the article that is on the show notes was really inflammatory mm-hmm. and but it could be skewed in a way that could be written very inflammatory as well. Right. And a lot of the, in a lot of the, like not to excuse any of the fucking images in that story, by no. stretch of the imagination, <laughs> but they, they also don't lack any context either. Um, right. Which does, again, doesn't excuse them, but also, you know, might change the rationale behind them, I guess, if that makes sense. Yeah. But I, I don't know. I mean, I'm willing to just let this play out and, I mean, if it that, means that's all that, you can do, so yeah, if it means that Quantic Dream is done for a while, uh, all right, <laughs> and like, and you know, like I said, it didn't, I don't think it affected Detroit in any way, shape, or form. All the all the bad press, and so, well, probably because I don't think really made it over here except for people reporting on it because I didn't see a single U.S. publication really aside yeah. from Kotaku that uh, even writing about it, so yeah. Um, so moving on from there, a leak. From the Epic Games website, uh, suggests that the Fort that Fortnite for Android is not going to be in the Google Play Store, and that you'll have to sideload the app onto your Android phone. Apparently, the reason that they're doing this is because on on Apple devices, there is no way to sideload apps on your phone. Everything has to be go through the I, iTunes Store, and the benefit of that is that you get. Uh, you get a thirty percent. A- Apple gets a thirty percent cut of any sales that are made within the game. Mm-hmm. Android has the ability that you don't have to. You can download and install apps from third party sources if you want to on your device. But if you bypass the Google Play Store, Google don't have to get none of that money <laughs> in your game that's generated a billion dollars of revenue <laughs> already. So. Seems like a some kind of an oversight on Google's part. I don't I don't know if Google can stop this from happening. Um or or at least stop like at least require somehow that the marketplace aspect of it, they get a cut of that. So but it seems like it's since it's coming from Epic's own website, it seems like where it's already kind of pretty well along at this point. I mean, is that like can they do that with any like, could any uh, uh, company do this theoretically? In theory, you could, but most people, unless it comes from a reputable source, are not going to trust um, apps that come from outside. Now, like, so Amazon has their own Android app store, and all of their apps have to be sideloaded, I'm assuming, for the same reason, because Amazon wants that revenue, and they don't want Google to have any of it. But with Android is often maligned for malware concerns that that occasionally, and those stories are overblown. But this is how the like yeah. like like malware can't just get in your phone. You have to open the door and let it in. Right. But this is how malware gets let in is through sideloading apps that you don't know where they're coming from. Now, obviously, if you're downloading the Fortnite app from Epic's own website, you can trust that. Right. But how many dumb people out there are just going to Google? 
Fortnite for Android and some fucking third party, you know, developed websites be like, y'all download Fortnite for Android right here. And it's going to be a fucking <laughs> malware laced app that's going to fuck your phone up. Or so what's better, the the um, the totalitarian approach that Apple uses or the the libertarian approach that Android uses? Well, it's it's a it's a mixed bag, right? So that each 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 side of it has pros and cons like Apple's, you know, walled garden approach is certainly safer. Um, It certainly allows for, you know, less bullshit to show up in the app store for sure, because Apple cracks down on that stuff. But the flip side of that. Uh, issue is that they also can limit the apps that are and aren't in there in the app store. For example, uh, the 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 Twitter client, the you know, the base the basic Twitter app, fucking mm-hmm. sucks. <laughs> but that's like the only option on iOS. But on Android, I have a bevy of wonderful third party Twitter clients that work way better and have way more functionality than the regular Twitter app uh, on iOS. Safari is my default browser still because Apple hates me (laughs) and, and I have Chrome installed on there, but sometimes certain links that you click will default over to Safari, which drives me fucking nuts. (laughs) Google lets me pick whichever browser I want to be, you know, on. So, so Google definitely gives you a lot more flexibility and freedom and lets you download some stuff that you might not normally uh, be able to find on iOS, but then you, you you take the risk of you know letting malware on your phone if you're an idiot and and <laughs> someone who's not well versed and doesn't understand you know how apps work. I mean, with Google, if you stick with the Play Store, you'll be fine. You'll never have a problem. Yeah. Um. But but back. To, but it's interesting that Fortnite is going this route uh, just to keep all the money, basically. <laughs> so hey, that's why they have. That's why they made a billion dollars. It is why they made a billion dollars. Um, it'll be interesting to see if Google responds to this in any way, shape, or form. If they even can, um, I don't know if they can. If they can really prevent them from doing that. So moving on and finishing up this week's episode with the question of the week. Uh, it's another slow news week, so it's another themed question of the week. I said to ask us anything you want about the original PlayStation, about the console games. Our experiences, whatever. So let's start with Jake. Uh, he said, outside of JRPGs, let's talk about why the Sega Saturn should have won the 32-bit era. Uh, on another note, this is one of my favorite moments of the first time firing Metal Gear Solid. He went through that game like a lunatic for months before I moved on. Micah, should the Sega Saturn have won the 32-bit era? I didn't have a Saturn. Um... And I don't know if it should have won. I, I, I think... I'll, I'll go a step further and say that it should not have won. Um, Jake, Sega shot themselves in the foot out of the, <laughs> out of the gate with the Sega Saturn. Um, they were the first to market, but when, you, when, you're, when you're sweating bullets about your competition and that, and that nervousness and that fear causes you to surprise launch your console at E3, at a $400 price point, therefore giving PlayStation the ability to maneuver and set up for the next four months, starting with that $299 price announcement, <laughs> and, then, and then to get their ducks lined up before September. I mean, it, it, it was done before it was even started. Like, that, that's what happened with the, with, the six, with the 32-bit era. Now, and, and the other reason, too, is what, what was the Sega Saturn's signature games? Like, there are a ton of signature games for PlayStation. Daytona USA? 
I mean, Daytona USA was certainly one of the biggest ones. Um, you know, whatever Sonic games popped up on there, of course, you know, probably big as well. Virtual Fighter, sure. But yeah, outside of that, it wasn't much. Whereas yeah. you can just you can just rattle off PlayStation games. Yeah. So yeah, I don't. I mean, Sega fucked themselves, and I mean, you can make the argument that Saturn solely is the reason that Sega is not a hardware maker today. Yeah. Yeah, because after that was what the Dreamcast. Yeah, which is which is a system ahead of its time, but but stumbled because they made marketing mistakes because yeah. they because they were being reactive instead of instead of proactive. Yep. So yeah, Saturn should not have won. <laughs> and and again, I told this story on the podcast before I'll tell it again. I remember there was a point in time where I could have gotten a Sega Saturn for brand new from KB Toys for I think uh 99 bucks coming with the three Sega Saturn games that all they all came with. And my mom was ready to do it for me and I was like, you know what? Let me just wait. And a month later, <laughs> I, I, I saw the PlayStation. And I was like, that should be the one that I get. And my mom's like, I'm, I'm only paying $99 because the other one cost $99. So I said, cool, let me gather up all my SNES and Genesis stuff, take it to Funko Land, and let's get that cash, baby. And let's buy a Sony PlayStation, oh, which was 200 bucks at the funny. time. So. Uh, Amir says, what's the one, also the best gaming decision of my entire life. Uh, Amir <laughs> says, what's the one game that your memory card ruined for you? His, he says his friend's save file got corrupted for Final Fantasy VII and he had to start over. Um, mine didn't have, so, all right, here's the thing with me. Um, I didn't own a PS1 until it was P-S-O-N-E. Mm-hmm. And even then, I didn't buy it. I stole it. <laughs> I stole it from a Kmart. And it was right, you know, that came out and I didn't even like acquire it when when uh it originally came out. We acquired it because the the little ring, the little theft ring that we had at the Kmart, um we we, we wanted PlayStation 2s. And we were going to, we used the PSONE as a test run to see if we could get uh, the PS1 out. And if we could get the PS1 out, then we figured we could get the PS2 out. And we were able to get the PS1 out. So that's so my, my uh, PlayStation, my PlayStation time was, I, I was late to the party. I had a lot of catching up to do. Now, in regard to Amir's question, um, the one time my save file was corrupted wasn't with a PS1. It was with a PS2, and it was Gran Turismo 3. And I had like 80% of the game completed. And my sister did something. And I can't remember what she did. Uh, I think I had the memory card lying around somewhere, and she was playing with it or messing with it or whatever. And everything was gone. And that just turned me off of all racing games, period. <laughs> <laughs> I'm never doing this again. I, I lost a two-thirds finished uh, full 162-game season of MLB 2000 <laughs> through a memory card snafu. Ugh. And that was pretty fucking heartbreaking. Ugh. So, yet I still came back to baseball games. 
Yeah, you better than me. Yeah, well. <laughs> uh, Malcolm says, what were your favorite games? He enjoyed Fighting Force, Tekken, RE2, and wrestling games except for Warzone. Yeah, I'll tell you a funny story about, um, not Warzone, but the sequel, WWF Attitude. Um, I remember my mom was very stringent about what games I bought, even with my own money. Um, I still had to run them by her, basically. Not for content, but she just didn't want me wasting fucking money on video games like crazy. So I remember I bought WWF Attitude from the EB Games at Owings Mills Mall. And because I wanted to hide it from her, I took the CD out and put it into my pants pocket. And then I don't remember what I did with the jewel case uh, that the CD came in. And I went home with the game in my pocket. And of course, when I got home, the disc was scratched to fuck. <laughs> and then I had to, I, I bought a, a disc, uh, disc skip fixer, uh, which did not work, by the way. And <laughs> no, I never, they were, all, they were all terrible. I never got to play that copy of WWF Attitude, which uh, history has shown probably for the better. Uh, that, we, that, we, that we skipped out on that. Uh, my favorite PS1 games uh, Metal Gear Solid, of course, uh, probably. If I had to pick one, would be my all-time favorite. Uh, look, I give Final Fantasy VII a wrath of shit on this podcast, but I did, of course, play Final Fantasy VII back in the day uh, when it was new and played it a lot, so I, I, can't, uh, I can't piss on that too much. Um, RE2, uh, the only Resident Evil game that I've played to completion, it was, was, of course, another one. I also really enjoyed the original Parasite Eve as well uh, when that ah. first came out. So that game was a lot of fun. I'm trying to think of any other like landmark games. Uh, Gran Turismo 2 was a big one for me. I uh, really, really liked that. Um, I also enjoyed Final Fantasy VIII at the time. Because I did too. I was a dumb 14-year-old that didn't know any better. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it because I used to watch those terrible like teenage soap operas like Swan's Crossing and shit like that. <laughs> and uh, it reminded me of that. Um, I, I, you know, I like pretty much the same thing that everybody else likes. Tekken three, uh, oh, Metal I, Gear, I Tekken three as well. So. Uh, Street Fighter Alpha three, uh, and Spider Man. I loved that Spider Man game for PS one. Uh, Terrell says, did either of us ever play Brave Fencer and Musashi on PS one? That is a negative. I did not play it either. So. Uh, Henry has multiple questions, so we'll have to we'll have to take these one at a time, and we will have to probably be brief with them to get them all. But uh, with the PSONE redesign in two thousand two thousand one, why didn't Sony take a cue from prior redesigns and make the PS one resemble the PS two? Uh, because I think they wanted for that one, they wanted to go all size, just make it as small as fucking possible. Yeah, with that one. So I think that's I think that's why you saw that. Uh, for those of us who are into classic gaming, what PlayStation games do you people recommend? Um, the ones we just listed. <laughs> pretty, yeah, pretty the much. ones we just listed. Uh, uh, Legacy of Kane, uh, uh, the Tony Hawk games, the early Tony Hawk games. They're all really good. Um, and if you like, like the franchises that are in the fours, fives, sixes, they started on the on the PlayStation. So go back and play Resident Evil 1, Resident Evil 2. Go back and play Silent Hill. Go back and play... Uh, just go back and play the, the mega franchises that are out now. Check them out when they, uh, to see what the big deal was. To see why they got uh, sequels. Yes. Uh, 
while the PS3 eventually dropped backwards compatibility for PS2 disc games, PS1 games still load from discs on the PS3. Why didn't they drop that as well if they're worried about cost? Because they already had um the the problem with the PS2 is that it was a DVD ROM drive, which was a completely different drive than they had in for the PS3 drive, which could not which uh, could not play PS2 games because of that. Now, PS1 games were CD-ROMs, and for some reason, the PS3 disk drive had no problem with those. That's why they didn't cut it, because they didn't need to, essentially. Um, he says his main question is that he's on that school, psych- <laughs> school psychiatrist with a family and lots of student loan debt financial plan, a fantastic financial plan if there ever was one. <laughs> uh, if he were to upgrade to the PS4 Pro, the last thing he'd want to do is have to rebuy all of his old PS1 games to play. Does, Tony, does Sony plan to address backwards compatibility for PS1 disc-based games, or would I have to bite the bullet and repurchase the games and or subscribe to a monthly service? The latter is... Yeah, is you got to bite the bullet. Like, they, they have, you know, they have PS1 games. That, like, you could buy Final Fantasy VII on, your, on the PlayStation Network right now. Um, so some PlayStation games, some PlayStation one and two games, you can just buy outright the rest of you'd have to get the subscription service. For. Right. PS now, honestly, the one thing PS now is great for is if you want to go back and play a shitload of retro games, cause that's what a lot of them are. Um, and if you're going to get PS now, wait till they're running $99 for a year. Cause that's the only price that I would recommend buying that service at. Mm. So, Isn't it like twenty dollars a month? Twenty dollars a month, yes. Yo, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> and Henry's most interesting question, I think, uh, if Nintendo didn't fuck up and kept their deal with Sony for the PlayStation as an add-on for the SNES, where do you think the games industry would be right now? Uh, we'd all be uh, we'd all be wearing a bunch of cardboard cutouts and and moving our bodies to try and play video games right now. See, I disagree. I think that uh, I think that Sony would have still eventually found their way to the console marketplace, regardless. Because especially if the you know the SNES add-on had been successful, that too would have proven to them that would have yeah that would have spurred them to like yo what are we doing right we can we can do this too it might it might have happened a little bit later but uh it definitely would have happened at some point i think the only thing that may have changed is that sega might have had a better run of things if the playstation didn't show up when it did uh do you think we would still be in the uh nintendo let's say that sony for whatever reason did does not enter the market mm-hmm. whatsoever do you think that uh, we would still be uh, having this, the console wars that we did in the late 80s and early 90s of just of Sega and Nintendo would be the big two? No, micro, I, again, I think Microsoft still would have found their way into the mix. In some yeah, way, shape, I, or yeah form. I'm assuming they would, but I guess, yeah, I guess you already answered it, that Sega would be a major would they be? A, they would still oh, be. A not, player. I, I don't think. I don't know if they'd still be a major player today. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I, th- I don't think they would have had to bow out as soon as they did. And the Saturn might have seen a modicum more of success uh-huh. than it did if the PlayStation One didn't release when it released. Um, but it's 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 a hard question to answer because Sony had such a had such an unforeseen effect. Like like we when the PlayStation One first you know was in its heyday. We could never imagine that the PlayStation 2 was going to become what it became, um, which is 
arguably the, the most successful console of all time. It's the greatest video game console of all time. It's it, it is the most prolific. It is it its library is the most prolific. Um, there's a whole lot of franchises that started on that thing. Like, I, I, look, I'm not a brand whore, but I, I will give credit where it is due, man. So, but a good a good thought exercise, regardless. So, but I I think I think people would have found their way because because again, Nintendo didn't need you know they fucked up the GameCube all by themselves. So. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking your fucking lunch pail system. So. <laughs> Surprised you couldn't open the GameCube and like hide your controller in the bottom of it when you weren't using it. So. <laughs> it's not like there's any other technology in that fucking thing. So, uh, Cab says, Why have the Legacy of Kane games not seen a revival? I don't know, actually. I, I don't know if it's a licensing issue or if it was a sale. Like, like I feel like Legacy of Kane. Were, were cult classics. I don't know that they were super commercially successful. And they didn't get popular until Soul Reaver, right? Until, uh, because they were the, the Legacy of Kane games, if I remember. Like they had the one with the Soul Reaver was with the guy with no jaw, right? Mm. And then his villain was the main character in the previous games, right? I don't know. I didn't actually. The, my only experience with Legacy of Kane is whichever version of it was on uh, the jam pack that came with my PlayStation One. <laughs> I mean, they were popular. They were super popular. But um, yeah, Blood Omen Legacy of Kane was the first one. And um, but I don't think they got popular until Soul Reaver came out. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Publishers Crystal Dynamics. Square Enix, uh, look, maybe, uh, maybe because they are uh, too busy with Lara Croft that they're, yeah. you know, well, hot, chicks, and, and plus, hot chicks make more money, bro. Well, and, and plus, like, if they released a new Legacy of Kane game now, how many people would actually be, like, super excited for that? Because there is an entire generation of people below us that have no fucking clue what the hell Legacy of Kane is. Yeah. No clue whatsoever. Uh, Mark says, what was the first game to really blow you away on the PS1? Uh, I mean, for me, it was FS7, because the full motion videos were fucking amazing. Yeah, but you didn't feel any... I didn't play... The first time I played Final Fantasy VII uh, was on PC. Believe it or not, it was on PC before people think it was on PC. And... um, You didn't... Maybe maybe it was uh, because I played it out of the time frame that it was hyper popular but you didn't feel a, a bait and switch when you when you fired it up and you're like wow look at these cutscenes!" and then all of a sudden you got you know tomato can forms walking around well no because I, I knew that the 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 popeye arm characters were in the game already um dude I, i'm telling you i kept a save file queued for years in ff7 of right before the motorcycle chase on on coming out of Shinra headquarters because I wanted to watch that thing over and over and over again. And I wanted it on demand whenever I wanted to fucking watch it. Ah, uh, that's funny. Like, that's how amazing that shit was to me. <laughs> so, that was the first time uh, that I was blown away by a PS1 game. Um, I guess maybe uh, 
maybe Metal Gear. I remember the first time I shit my pants was when that uh, dog jumped through the window in Resident <laughs> Evil 2. That shit scared the fuck out of me. And it and Resident Evil 2 scared me one time because you know how with Resident Evil, you when you go to a new area, cuts to a close-up of a door. It's a loading screen, and it cuts up to a close-up of the door, and then the door opens, and then you walk through it, and then it loads the new area. And the game trains you that this is what's going to happen. So you let your guard down. And one time, I don't know if this has happened to anyone else, but one time, the fucking door opens, and, and then zombies come out there. Yeah. And I was just like, yo, this is ridiculous. They, I don't they, know if they I did can the, do this. They did the same shit in, um, in 3. Because in 3, of course, you go back to the, to the police station. Mm-hmm. And there was a point in 2... Where right at the at the bot at the landing of the steps in in the west wing, uh, there's a boarded up window that when you walked by it, zombies would crash through and fucking and fucking attack you and scare the shit out of you. And of course, in three, it's the same staircase and the same hallway. So I'm like creeping up to that thing, like waiting for the zombies to come out, waiting for the zombies. And of course, it doesn't come. Of course, it doesn't come. And then they save it. And then what what gets you is later you're walking through like the file room completely innocuous area in Resident Evil 2 and that's when the fucking nemesis like bursts through the door and starts <laughs> fucking chasing you. Ugh. Guilty pleasures. I don't know if this is a guilty pleasure because it was hyper popular but I really really like Tony Hawk Pro Skater 2. Um, only because you could play as Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> you could have Spider-Man and one of his special moves was called does whatever a spider can when he when he goes up uh, off the ramp or whatever, I'm not I'm not a skateboarder, ollie and flip kick and all that nonsense. And he 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 throws the skateboard up with his feet and then catches it with his web and then brings it back down. And I'm like, oh snap, son! And now that I think about Tony Hawk Pro Skater, that game really defied the laws of physics because you could do like. 300 spins while you're up in the air before you before you land on uh before you land like it's it was ridiculous but i i really enjoyed it uh james says he was lucky to have worked at blockbuster during college during the rise of the ps1 and 64 so he could get a bunch of games rented for free every week so which games did we rent over and over again uh and did we immediately regret any of them or did we uncover any underrated classics on a whim uh, he mentioned Die Hard Trilogy and Silent Hill 1 as very successful. Now, for you kids out there, we used to have to go to a store called Blockbuster Video and pay $5 to rent a video game for like three days and then have to bring it back again or risk I'll late do, fees. I'll do you one better because um, I, I used to be a brand whore. I was Nintendo all day, every day, right? And when the PlayStation came out, my parents wouldn't buy me another system because they're like, no, you got a video game. You got a Nintendo right there. And because that's how black people pronounce Nintendo. Nintendo. And um, so what I would do is I would go to Blockbuster and Blockbuster would also allow you to rent systems if they had one available. So I would every week I would go and I would rent a PlayStation. And I would rent Battle Arena Toshinden. <laughs> and I would just play it like crazy before I had to take it back. And I would do it every week. I remember, um, not, not part of this topic, but when I first bought the PlayStation, I got a glut of games from a local fellow uh, who was selling a bunch of them. 
that I found in the Penny Saber. Wow. There's a blast <laughs> from the past. The fucking Penny Saber. Um, and Battlerina Toshinden was one of them. I think he also had Mortal Kombat 3 Ultimate and Triple Play 96 and uh, one of the... Uh, one of the NBA Jam games as well. So that was a cool little pick. Um, I rented Metal so Metal Gear, I didn't rent over and over again. I did rent it once, beat it three times in the weekend that I had it, and then returned it. Um, the one game that I kept renting over and over again was NHL 2001, which I rented for two weeks straight and managed to finish an entire 82-game season plus playoffs within that <laughs> two-week time span. Um, it was summer, man. I didn't have shit to do. Yeah. So, uh, Johnny asked, did we chip or mod PSX like he did? Uh, he was able to burn copies, illegal copies of games, uh, during this uh, stretch of an entire summer. Uh, so, and he said the only two legit games he owned were, were Final Fantasy nine and Space Jam <laughs> of all games. No, I did not. Uh, I did not mod my PSX. Uh, neither did I. Yeah. Uh, Evan asks if we all if we played NFL Blitz, uh, not on PlayStation One, Evan, but I I did play the arcade version quite a bit. Uh, I did play NFL Blitz. I enjoyed that game. Yeah, it, it, it uh, little did we know it was uh, the precursor to CTE. <laughs> Absolutely correct. <laughs> uh, Chris says that in an era where some games have gotten remade, he's shocked that we haven't seen remakes of Jet Moto or Cool Borders. Uh, wow. And at any rate, did you ever get the PlayStation Underground discs as well? I really liked, well, okay, so Cool Borders, I did have an experience with because Cool Borders was on my Jam Pack disc. Dude, let me tell you something, too. The Jam Packs <laughs> were fucking awesome back in the day. For those of you that don't know, the PlayStation Jam Pack was a demo slash trailer disc that came with your PlayStation. And depending on when you bought the PlayStation, it, it would be a different edition that would usually have probably about seven or eight game demos and about, I don't know, 15 or 16 game trailers as well. And they were like very like stylishly put together. They had a, fu- a cool looking UI and uh, I wore the shit out of my fucking jam pack disc, man. I, I played Hot Shots <laughs> Golf on there. I played the original Tomb Raider. Uh, Legacy of Kane, I think, was on mine as well. I watched the Resident Evil 2 trailer over and over again. Um, lots of fucking cool games on that disc. And, uh, yeah, I, had a, I also had PlayStation Underground as well. I wasn't a subscriber. Um, every couple months I, I would buy an issue uh, off the newsstand. And that also came with the demo disc. That's how I found out about Parasite, Parasite Eve. Um, that's how I first played Metal Gear Solid was through a PlayStation Underground disc as well. They had the demo in there for that. I uh, had a buddy named uh, Mark who uh, video games literally saved his life. He used to be on drugs and, and uh, uh, his wife got him this video game to try and keep him in the house and he got addicted to that. So he, uh, he loves PlayStation. He is a PlayStation fan and he had everything, every magazine, everything. And he would let me play his PlayStation underground discs, uh, when he was done with them. Uh, so yes, that was my exposure to the PlayStation underground discs. So, uh, Jeff says, so he's, he, he lists the PlayStation one launch lineup. Um, and so here, here's the launch lineup for that system. It was Battle Arena Toshinden, one of the worst fighting games ever. Uh, ESPN Extreme Games, 
uh, Kyleek, the DNA Imperative. I've never even heard of that game. Uh, NBA Jam TE, Power Serve 3D Tennis, The Ryden Project, Rayman, Ridge Racer, <laughs> uh, Total Eclipse Turbo, European, and the Piece de Resistance of the uh, PlayStation 1 launch lineup, Street Fighter, the movie, the game. Yeah, I was so mad. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I do to avoid that game thank, thanks to GamePro Magazine, who said that that game was a big pile of garbage. Uh, I was so mad. I was like, why is this? Why does this look like fake Mortal Kombat? And I played it. And I was like, oh, this is terrible. It is terrible. Um, <laughs> I only owned, I think, Battle Arena Toshinden and NBA Jam TE off of that list. I uh, sure. I love uh, Tournament Edition. It's the best version of NBA Jam still to this day. Yeah, you're not wrong. Uh, Aaron says, anyone ever played Saga Frontier, and what was your experience? Um, I bought a copy of Saga Frontier from a friend. Many years after the PSX uh, or PS1 came out, and I never actually played it. Um, but I, but I hear Aaron that if you are a fan of the Saga games, you might actually really like uh, Octopath Traveler because it has some of the some similar DNA in it. Uh, I did not play Saga Frontier. They were very long, like hardcore JRPGs with like branching stories and stuff like that. Uh, An- another video on my jam pack disc that I watched a lot. So. Uh, Randy says, go ahead and admit Dino Crisis was an underrated game, or I like it because I beat it. Uh, Randy, Dino Crisis was excellent. The first one was. Yeah, I didn't think it was underrated. I thought people loved it. It just didn't get a lot of sequels. They got two sequels after the fact, not, neither of which were as well received as the original game. Look, man, it was Dinosaur Resident Evil. What more do you want? Yeah, <laughs> I love that game, man. It was, it was pretty fucking cool. I, I love the original Dino Crisis. Uh, Trey says, was Cool Borders 2 really good, or did he get a pass because snowboarding games were a thing? I like the original Cool Borders. Um, cool Borders 2, I think, did not land the same way, and then once SSX came out, that was that, that was, was the it. end of that. Yeah. So. <laughs> uh, Randy says, also, Vagrant Story was better than Final Fantasy 7. Now, I've never played Vagrant Story. I'm aware of Vagrant Story, so I can't, I can't say that you're wrong. I'm probably going to say that you're right, most likely. Um, I also have not played Vagrant Story, but I have it on good authority from people who, uh, love video games more than I do that. Yes. Vagrant Story is, uh, a diamond in the rough and, and, uh, it is better than according to them. It is better than Final Fantasy seven. I'm shocked. We didn't get any Gears questions, by the way. I thought for sure that somebody would bring it up. Yeah. So, uh, Yuda says, was Monster Farm, uh, which was called Monster Rancher in the U.S., not a thing in the U.S.? It had a neat system where you could put in a random CD and it would give you a new monster. I feel like all my Japanese friends were playing it, but none of my American friends. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, he, he said he made, he didn't have to worry about finding new CDs for monsters because he made the mistake of asking for a Sega Saturn instead of a PlayStation. <laughs> For his birthday. Um, I've never I, I've only vaguely heard of Monster Rancher. I've never played it. Um uh, I've never played it out. also. You would probably need to be friends with someone like Carrie. Uh back in the day. I'm sure Carrie has played every monster rancher there is. But it's it's funny that he does mention the, the C D part of it because this was the era that we first saw other ways to interact with your games from like like augmented reality like again the most famous example being the 
memory card reading uh, Psycho Mantis and Metal Gear Solid that yeah. if you had any other Konami games on your memory card, he could uh, he would talk about them when you, yeah. when you encountered him. So, uh, And then Warren finishes it up. Did you guys ever learn the hot swap method to play imports uh, me and my, or, or copied games? Me and my brother got so adept, we just started using bag ties to hold the button down while we did the game swaps. Um, no, I never did that, but I, that just, kids, kids today just don't, they don't get it, man. They're spoiled, man. man. They got games coming to them directly to you. You children can't imagine the lengths that we had to go to, to get our consoles to work properly the other day. Every, everyone of, of, of a certain age out there listening, I guarantee you at some point who owned an NES at some point had the NES where you had the game in there and you left the door open and you had to shove the game sleeve in the game to hold it down because that's the only way that the, uh, that the, that the pin reader would read the game, the game cartridge on your NES. Um, so we had to do this once I was over my buddy Jonah's house and, um, believe it or not, I used to be into dragon ball and, uh, dragon ball Z. And there was a Dragon Ball Z fighting game that he was able to get imported. And it was the ugliest looking piece of shit I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> but we wanted to we wanted to play it. And we had to do that. Like we had to do the hot swap method in order to play it. And it in hindsight it wasn't worth it. But you kids, man, like just Google Dragon Ball and like PlayStation One or PSX and just look at the nonsense that we had to deal with. Meanwhile, you guys are getting ready to have your Dragon Ball Fighter Z showcased and in at a reasonable amount of time in uh, at Evo in a couple of weeks. So just take a look at that and appreciate what you have now. Because, oh, wow. <laughs> so, uh, but that is it. Thank you guys for uh, for that question of the week. Like I said, I've been trying some themed questions lately. Uh, when the news does not cooperate, and I've I've been pretty pleased with the results so far. So that was a fun walk down memory lane. Um, I was worried the PSX might be too old for some of our listeners, uh, but if, <laughs> if it is too old, and you're just like, I never played PSX because I wasn't alive when it was in its heyday. Uh, hopefully, you enjoyed the uh, the 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 history lesson, you kids. There you go. So uh, that is it for this week. Uh, don't forget to join our, face- our, our Facebook fan group, densepixels.com slash fans. Uh, if you use iTunes, do us a favor, log in, leave us a five-star review, which we read on the air. It's been a while. So I'm going to put out the call, the call to action, at least one five-star review next week. If you're listening and you've never left one, take, take a couple minutes and leave one today because every five-star review helps the show get discovered, which is a good thing overall. It makes the show better. Uh, yeah. Facebook and Twitter at Dense Pixels. Subscribe to the podcast, no matter what podcast you use, and follow us on Twitch TV. I am Dense Pixels Brad. Terrence is Apparition Four Ten. Micah is Dense Black Nerd. Carrie is Suppets Carrie. I finally streamed the other day on Twitch for the first time in a while, where you can see uh, our raid party hilariously fail uh, once we finally reached Callus in the Leviathan raid. Destiny <laughs> Two. No problem with any of the challenges, Micah. Breezed right through them. Callus, we got severely hung up. We're trying it again. To, to we're we're gonna fin- try to finish it up again tonight. Uh, what uh, power? What light level are you? Uh, three sixty ish, roundabout. Okay. I meant uh, three fifty three. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm trying I'm trying to to get up there. I'm trying to get back into it. 
and um, to get myself ready for Forsaken. So it's, it's coming soon. It's yep. coming soon. So thank you guys very much for listening this week. Uh, we will be back with you next week at the same time. Till then, take it easy. See you.